0: Okay, so today's main topic is making disciples. And so we have all of the, the globes on the tables, and we think about going into all the world and making disciples. Well, we get to make disciples right here, right? We get to make disciples right in our own hometown. Everybody look at your globe, and someone find, I don't know, Houston, Texas. Find Spring, Texas. <laughs> close as you can get find us on there all of the world we're called to go into all the world but we our our sphere of influence is most we're most influential right there on that one little part of the globe you know even though we might um, go on a mission trip every once in a while we might send money to help in another place if you think about it like most of our resources, our time, our energy, our money are even spent right here where we live, right? You go to the store down the street. You, you spend time with people who live in this area. And uh, it's kind of interesting to think about that when we're thinking about where our influence is. It makes sense that we're going to have an opportunity, our biggest opportunity to minister right here, right where we live. And so we're going we're gonna to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, sometimes when we talk about making disciples, just the thought of it sounds kind of hard. Like, wow, making disciples, Jesus did that. But but what do I do? It sounds like a really big responsibility. Before we get into that, let's just think about what was Jesus' relationship like with his disciples? He actually had a lot of disciples who listened to him. We don't even know the exact amount. We know at one point he sent out 72. We know um, at the day of Pentecost, there were like 120 in the upper room. And so we know he had a lot of disciples, but there were 12 that were really close, right? He had 12 who were close and three who were closest. Bonus points. Who can name the three who were closest? Peter, John. James, good, good job. Okay, so I want you to just give me some feedback here. What are some things, just think about it. What are some things that Jesus did with his disciples? Maybe you get a picture in your mind. Who pictures the Last Supper? <laughs> Anybody picture that? Raise your hand and tell me, what, what's something that Jesus did with his disciples? Something that comes to mind. He prayed with them? Yes. He broke bread with them. Good. He taught them. Those are good answers. Yes? He just hung out with them. I love it. He sure did. He hung hung out with them all the time, right? When I started thinking about this, I thought, well, he ate with them, right? He broke bread. He ate with them. They had meals together all the time. They had meals together with 5,000 people and a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And they had meals... Um, together that we probably don't even know about. They spent just time together all the time. They traveled together. They traveled with him, and uh, I think it was really cool. Is he Jesus spent time explaining things to the disciples? You know, he would preach to people and and tell them stuff like, "Oh, if a man you know sees a, a finds a treasure in a field, he's going to sell everything he has and he's going to go buy the field." And so he tells the people this, and later the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, so what's that mean about the, the treasure and the field kind of a thing? What are you trying to tell us? You know, why, why, what could that treasure be that's so important that someone would sell everything just to buy that field with the treasure? You know, so the disciples are, are getting the in. They're getting the scoop on everything. Everyone else hears. Something that's important, but they don't have the full understanding, but the disciples are close to Jesus and they get to say, hey, what did you mean by that? Which is pretty cool. And then the disciples, they watched him pray and they watched him heal the sick and they watched him confront and confound the wise, the Pharisees at the time. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him show mercy and compassion on other people. And then even after doing these things for a while, then Jesus sent them out. So they watch. What is, the, what is Jesus like? What is he doing? They, they spend time with him. They get taught. They see things. And then he sends them out. And, um, in Matthew 10, 5, it says these 12 Jesus sent out. Verse 7, he tells them, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That sounds pretty amazing. Do you think they would have been able to do those things if Jesus had never showed them? If they had never been taught? And he just said, hey guys, it's been cool hanging out with you. I want you to just go do this stuff. They would have been like, what? (laughs) We don't know how to do any of that. Wow, how, how could they go? They could go because they had been taught and they had been shown. They had been discipled by Jesus. In Matthew 28, 19, we all know this. It says, go therefore and make disciples, disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love I love that last part. I'm with you always. So, what about you? What about you? You're in kids' ministry. How can you make disciples? How does this apply to you? The disciples made disciples. Jesus made disciples, then the disciples made disciples. And so we're like the disciples of the disciples, the disciples of the disciples, right? It's really kind of important. You know, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say, get everybody saved. Jesus said, make disciples and teach them. And so there's something, there's something more to it than just getting somebody saved, Right? Have you ever thought about what it would be like to have disciples? I, I just had this thought, and I was like, what would it be like if God said, Amy, these three people are your disciples. What would I do with those three people? I guess I'd kind of do what Jesus did, right? What, what would you do with those three disciples? Okay, I want you to tell someone at your table. God gives you a disciple. What are you going to do? Tell, tell someone at your table what you would do. Okay, so someone tell me, what's something you told your table? What's something you do to disciple? Anyone? Yes, ma'am. Read the Bible to them. That's a good one. That's a good one. What else? Get to know them. That's a good one, too. You know, I was thinking, not only would I do some things, I heard just heard pray for them. I... I might change some things about myself. How about you? I might all of a sudden look at myself and think, oh, if I'm going to be discipling these three people, I might even want to change a couple of things about myself. If I'm going to be spending time with them all the time, if, so, if you had three people following you around all the time wherever you went, would you, would you always be reflecting Jesus to them? <laughs> we may all have a little work to do, <laughs> right? Anyhow, Maybe maybe you don't feel qualified at all. Maybe you don't feel qualified at all. But here's the thing, we can all make disciples no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus. You know, the disciples weren't even perfect themselves, right? Peter denied three, Jesus 3 times. You know, it's okay. When someone comes to Christ, when they're saved, they're like a baby. I heard, I heard a minister recently, she was here when the Brazilian ministry had um, their conference a few weekends ago, and I really enjoyed listening to her, and she talked a little bit about discipleship. Anyhow, she made this analogy, I thought it was great. When someone comes to Christ, when they're saved, they're like a baby. If you have a baby, how many of you have had a baby? How many of you are moms? How many of you are dads and you okay? You don't just have a baby and say, "Well, there it is." Just leave it there to care for itself. Go go take care of it. Go feed yourself. Go walk around, go do They can't do any of that on their own, right? You have to take care of a baby. They can't feed themselves. They can't walk around. They can't They can't do anything. You've got to do everything for them, right? If they soil themselves, you got to change them. You got to change them. You know, you got to teach them to walk. You are a step ahead of somebody. You can teach them something, right? When you feed a baby, you feed a baby milk, right? In Hebrews, they actually make this comparison. It talks about the milk of the word. You don't teach um, solid foods, to an infant, you don't, you don't give a infant solid foods, you don't teach someone who's a brand new Christian some, something deep theological something, right? They're not ready for that. You give them the basics of the word. And so how many of you have been saved? We've all been saved by Jesus Christ. We have something to give someone who's not saved, right? There's a step right there. That's the first step. Someone doesn't know Jesus. You know Jesus you can give them Jesus. How, how many of you have walked with Jesus for at least a year? You've learned something in that year that you can pass on to someone else that hasn't walked with Jesus for a year yet. We all have something we can pass on to someone else. How does this relate to kids' ministry? You're like, Amy, come on, get to the kids' ministry part. <laughs> Talking about discipleship. How does this? How do we have opportunities to disciple in kids' ministry? Well, first of all, You don't even have to work with the kids. Maybe you're on the snack team or the check-in team, and you encounter a lot of adults but maybe not a lot of kids, but still on those teams you have an opportunity to just tell someone about something that you've learned, something that God has done in your life. You have opportunity to minister to them and, and make disciples there. But with the children especially, we have an opportunity to make disciples And you don't have to know everything. I need a show of hands here. Who drives a car? Raise your hand if you drive a car. Okay, Keep your hand up if you know how to work the radio. Who knows how to work the radio? Keep your hand up if you know how to change a flat tire. Mine just went down. Hey, that's pretty good. Keep your hand up if you know how to change the oil. You know how to change the oil in your car. I still see some hands. This is good. Who, keep your hand up if you know what an intake manifold does. Ooh, I, I still see a couple hands. This is awesome. Okay. Do we have two hands? Is that what I see? Do you, by chance, know how to replace an intake manifold? More tools than you have. You know how to replace it? You place the engine. Come up here. Come up here. Okay. I want you to come up here. Come here, Guy. This is Guy, if you don't, if you don't know him. And he's in he's in my home life group. If you don't haven't joined a home life group, they're pretty amazing. And don't you think they're really good? This is great. Okay. So you know how to you know how to replace an engine and all that kind of stuff.
1: I didn't know. Anything.
0: Well, I put my hand down at change a flat tire, so I think that's pretty amazing. Okay, and so, um, Jacqueline, I want you to come up here next. So you knew what an intake manifold was, and you probably could replace it if you had the tools. So I want you to come up next, and you're just going to line up kind of, we're going to make a little line right here. So just line up on the other side of him. (laughs) Who said they knew how to change the oil? Did I see Annie's hand for that? Annie, come up here. That's amazing. Who can change a flat? Someone come up here that can change a flat. Stand be- behind Annie. If you can change a radio, you go stand behind behind Christy, okay? If you, can cha- if, you can t- if you know how to do the radio in your car, like work it. You don't even know how to install it. You just do work it. If you know how to drive a car, I need one person who knows how to drive a car just to go stand right there on the other side of Angelica. All right, Zoe's going to come up here. Okay, so this is what we've got up here. <laughs> if this was the word of if this was the word of God, we're talking we're talking about in ministry. We've got we've got Zoe over here, and she's a Christian, and she's serving Jesus, she loves Jesus with all of her heart, but she doesn't know a lot. No, I know this is not true of you, but for example's sake, let's say you know how to drive the car. You don't know how to do other stuff. You would be like the one who loves Jesus with all your heart, but maybe you don't know all of that theology stuff, and you haven't been in church in a long time to hear a lot of the word. And let's say Angelica here, she knows how to work the radio. So she's like she's like the one who, who's been in church, and she's been listening to pastor sermons, and she's been inspired by it, and she's like, I've got a little more that I can give. And then it kind of goes down the line and down the line and down the line until we get to Guy right here. And then Guy, I mean, he is like the theologian. He's the scholar. He knows all the ins and outs of everything. He knows about, I don't know, dispensationalism and stuff that I can't even pronounce. Like, he knows all that stuff. In kids' ministry, we don't usually have a lot of guys that know about all that kind of stuff, right? We don't have a lot of you <laughs> that knows all the ins and outs of all that stuff. But do you think that's what the kids need? No. They don't need to know about all of that. I mean, at some point, and I bet I bet someone with that knowledge would have a lot of great things to impart into the kids' world team and to the kids. But do you know what? All of these people have something they can impart. Even, even Zoe, who... It's like our person that might just drive a car. You know what? You can sit down, guys. You can Thank you so much. Give them a hand. When you're a kid, you just want to know how to drive the car. You don't even care how it works, right? You're like, Mom, I'm 10 now. Can I drive? <laughs> like, no, not yet, you know. And then, you know, some dads are like, oh, you know, in the parking lot or out in the field or something. Anyhow... When my girls were little, they had these little uh, steering wheels that had a little key to turn and a little thing to shift the gears, just a little plastic toy. It was fun And when they were really small. And whenever I drove anywhere, those toys stayed in the car. And they'd pick those up, and they'd just drive right along with me in the car, wherever we were going. And it was the cutest thing. And they just wanted to know what was the experience like to drive. They didn't need to know all the other stuff. As they get a little older, especially preteens, they want to start working your radio. Oh, man. <laughs> Why does that have to happen? <laughs> Anyhow. Anyhow, that's, that's about what it's like in kids' world. They just want to know, what's it like to be a Christian? What's it like to follow Jesus? How do I, how do I pray? How do I pray to Jesus? That's is what they want to know. And that's the sort of stuff we can talk to them about and we can disciple them. And so sometimes people get a little intimidated with kids ministry because they think, I just don't know enough to teach the kids. I'm telling you, you know enough to teach the kids. You do. And if if you ever come across something and a kid asks you a really amazing, smart question, you're like, whoa, I've never even thought of that before. That's all right. Just tell the kid, whoa, I've never thought of that before. I'm going to find out the answer for you. And then ask someone who, you know, has replaced the oil in their car that might know the answer, right? Okay, you get that. Get that. <laughs> you know, ministry to children is really so important, and I want everyone just to go ahead and turn. There's a Bible on your table. And so we'll just share. Maybe if everyone could just turn to Matthew 18 together. We're going to kind of split this up. I'm going to have different tables read part of this. Just to make it. So Matthew chapter 18, we're going to start in verse 1. Okay, you don't have to be scared to read in front of people, because I'm going to ask you to. I need, I need a volunteer, maybe from, I, let's see, I think I split this into three th- small sections. Who can read verse 1 through 5 for me from one of these tables? Over here, thank you. There's just 1 through 5.
2: At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Whoever receives one little shout like this, in my name, receives me.
0: Thank you so much. Who can read the next few verses, 6 through 9? Who can read 6 through 9? Not everybody at once. Okay, here we go. And whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin,
2: cut it off and cast it from you. It is better to enter into life lame or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet, to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if
0: your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes, to be cast into hellfire. Okay, then 10 through 14. Who's, who's got that? 10 through 14. Oh, good. Marisa, I'm not sure if this will stretch. Oh, it did.
1: Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than I'm sorry, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety nine that did not go astray. Even so it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Thank you so much.
0: Amen. You know, I've read these passages so many times, many times through my life I've read these passages but it really, just recently I was reading it I've always read it like one of these little ones just as if one of these Christians or one of these people who follow after me but I I was reading this and, and it just jumped out to me. He starts off by talking about he calls a little child to himself, and he's talking about little children. And he goes on and on, and he, kept saying, he keeps saying these little ones, these little ones. And I thought, Lord, I've never really thought through, all the way through that parable of the lost sheep about these little ones, about these children. And uh, it can have that meaning, I think, of, of we don't want to cause anyone to sin. or any. But what about the children? Because even when you turn to the next chapter, what happens is they they leave there, the disciples and Jesus, and they go to another place. Jesus talks to a bunch of Pharisees and puts them in their place, and then the children come to him to be prayed for. And we all know the scripture he says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. He's rebuking the disciples right here, guys. He's like, didn't I just tell you all this about the little children and how important they are? And he's like, and then you weren't going to let these children come to me in verse or in the chapter 19? I think he's kind of like, you let all these Pharisees come and talk to me all this time, and, and they're unhearing, and they're unseeing, and they're unbelieving. But the children, they believe, and they hear, and they receive, and you don't want them to come to me? The kingdom of heaven belongs to these, these children and those who are like children. How important is it that we minister to the children, that we bring the kingdom of heaven to them, we bring the gospel to the children? That is Jesus' heart. That's his desire. That's what he's telling his disciples. That's what he's telling us to bring the gospel to our children, to let the children come to him, that they are important, that they can come to him. They can know him. They can know Jesus. And that that is what we are doing here in Kids World. We are not babysitting. We're not just making a fun time while the parents are getting ministered to because the parents are not more important than the children. The children are so important. And you know what? A lot of parents have unhearing ears a lot of a lot of times as an adult you hear a lot of things and you get confused and you don't know what to believe and it's hard but as a child you just love jesus you just believe isn't that a beautiful thing oh man and we get to minister to those children what a blessing what a blessing how do we how do we do that let's go back to what jesus did with his disciples He spent time with them. We can spend time with the kids, right? In nursery, you can just pick them up. You can talk to them one-on-one. You can pray over them. You can just whisper, whisper to that little baby, Jesus loves you. You know, here's something for you to pass out. You can spend time with the children. We have started small groups after our main assembly in our Propel class. And, and that's our goal for Ignite is, as well, is to really have that special time with the children. The assembly time with the kids on Sunday morning is kind of like Jesus talking to the whole group of people that came to see him, right? But the small group time is like when he talked with his disciples and they got to ask questions and say, okay, so what did you mean by that, right? That's what our small group time is like. Okay, what else did Jesus do? He taught them. We're doing that in kids' world. But that's not all we're supposed to do. A lot of times we focus just on the teaching part. Oh, we got to teach the kids, got to teach the kids. It's more than teaching the kids, we got to disciple the kids. What, can we, what else can we do? We can show them what it means to be a Christian, to love God. We can send them out. On preschool, I talked about what that looks like in nursery, praying over them, talking with them. In preschool, that might just be getting on the floor with them, just playing. With a ball and saying, Hey, what did you do this week? You know, while you build with the blocks. Oh, this little house that you built reminds me of of the house in our Bible lesson. Remember how how they lowered that man down through the roof and then Jesus healed him? You know, you can you can incorporate the Bible lesson in preschool and just talk with them, play play with them. Use the message of the day and act it out. Make that personal connection. And Propel and Ignite is that time that's a small group. It's a, And I want us to work toward this. I, I don't think we're quite there yet, right? I think that's something for us to all to work together as a team. Let's work toward it. Let's put together ideas. Let's make this our goal for this year to really make small group time happen for our Propel and Ignite. Okay? So that, that's something we're going to work together with. We're not... We're not quite there, and I'm not sure I even have all the answers, so we're going to work together with that, okay? And uh, in our small group time, we already spend time together in a small group. That's obvious. We even are eating together, which Jesus did with his disciples. You can ask the kids, how did your week go? It's a great time to pray with them over different things. You get to review the lesson that was taught in the main assembly. You get to teach. You're doing all these things that Jesus did. Spending time teaching. What about showing them like Jesus showed? You can worship during the assembly with the kids. You can get right out there with them and worship Jesus with them. You can show them by using kind words toward other teachers and not getting too flustered. And, uh, and when you encounter a difficult situation, in Proverbs 15.1, 15, 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger, you can show them what that's like. You can show them how to lay hands on a child when they're, they're feeling sick and how to pray. You get to show all of those things to them. And then the, the next part is, how do we send our kids? Like Jesus, he, he taught them, he showed them, he did all these things, but then he sent them out. Miss Melissa is going to come up here. It's like calling kids around. Well, she's going to talk to us about sending our kids out. Here we go. I'm
2: going to do it in three minutes. And she's doing it in three minutes because she's faster than me. I'm going to do it in three minutes because you guys are awesome and you came here. and We're going to let you out on time. So in the kingdom of God, there's no hierarchy. There's no class system. Jesus is the head of the church and then we are the bride. All ages, female, male, All cultures, we are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So kids aren't behind us. What are they? They're arm in arm with us. We're linked together. It's such an amazing thing. And once a week for two hours, we get to lead them closer to Jesus. It's so sacred, isn't it? And it's not just because we want them saved. It's because they're an essential part of the body. And the devil is mean. He comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. And does he leave kids alone because they're under the age of 12? No, the enemy doesn't. And so these kids are dangerous because their faith is simple. And because their faith is simple, their faith is very powerful. That's why. So the enemy doesn't like it. When a child learns they can trust God, they trust God. And it's awesome. So we have an expectation. For every child in kids world, for every child within our reach, we want two things for them. We want them to have a revelation of God's love because that will change their identity. We want them to have an encounter with God's presence because that will change their destiny. And we want this every single Sunday, a revelation of his love and encounter with his presence. Uh, When they know how much God loves them, their identity becomes in Christ, their worth, their value, their purpose. They become immune to the lies and the deceit of the world and their peers and social media because they know who they are. When they have an encounter with his presence, when they realize I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, I can hear the Lord lead me. I can talk to God at any time of the day. They realize the gifts God put inside of them. They get boldness to minister. It changes their destiny. So kids world, kids. They're not just saved kids. They're not just kids who do good in school. Kids world kids don't just obey their parents. Kids world kids don't just stay out of trouble. I'm going to tell you what our kids world kids are going to be like. Here's our expectation. Kids world kids transform their homes. They transform their schools. They transform their sports teams because where they go, they bring the power of God with them. They bring the light of the gospel with them. These kids pray prayers that set people free. These kids have the gift of miracles. They have insight into the scriptures. We believe our kids are going to have dreams and visions from heaven. They're going to wake up. My child woke up the other day with a vision and told me God gave him a vision. It was awesome. Our kids are going to encourage love and lift up their peers because the Holy Spirit's going to enable them to be change makers. Our kids are going to speak the truth and grace and wisdom beyond their years Our kids, our royalty, and their influence can be unlimited. That's what we believe about these children. So Amy and I are expecting Kids World Kids to start being a part of leading worship, to lead on prayer teams, to to pray with their peers and know how to do that. We expect them to be sharing the gospel in their schools, to be praying for their friends. We expect them to serve in their community, right? Let no one despise you. Because of your youth. These kids are awesome, and they're ready. And that's how we see them. They're change makers. They're not behind us. They're arm-in-arm with us. And I tell you what, every time you volunteer, if you open yourself up, you're not only imparting to the children, the Lord will impart to you through those kids. He will teach you something through those kids. So a revelation of his love and an encounter with his presence. And you know what? That's good for you, too. That changes us, too. A new revelation of God's love changes you. So it's an honor to walk with you and to be a part because the Lord will abundantly anoint you and bless you. You're equipped because you're doing this. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips. He doesn't. Yep. That's what he does. God equips the called and you're called, right? He's going to do it. So, um, thank you for coming today We are going to pray out, and then we're going to pick up our T-shirts as you go. They're already in sizes. So will everyone bow your heads? Heavenly Father, it's an honor to serve you. It's an honor to have a fresh revelation of your purpose, of the gift of this life, the gift of children. God, I just thank you as these awesome volunteers invest their time in bringing children closer to you, you redeem their years. You give them strength. You renew their youth like the Eagles. I thank you. There is joy. There is purpose and there is anointing in this work. And I thank you that you raise up an army that brings your love and your glory and your miracle working power into our community and into our world in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Amen.